enough was enough. The backlash, experiences, and feedback I learned following my interview with Twitter's Secret Tour Pro was fast and furious. Patterns emerged among those who shared their stories with me, all having experienced some form of misleading information that led them down one path, only to be thrown for a loop a few days later. It wasn't until hearing from two friends, Gareth and Oscar, who had actually met the mysterious Michael attached to the account, that I realized that we had fallen for the same charade. It was time for me to cut to the chase and confront the STP, whom I also knew as Michael, once and for all. Um, said person was apparently related to Wiesberger. They had listed that they had done work running social media profiles for several professional golfers. There's a lot more weight and stake that people put on these connections. And as a result, the, the consequences, I think, are more catastrophic and they're more intense. Welcome back. Last week, we heard from Gareth and Oscar, two friends who met a man they knew as Michael for a round of golf. They eventually formed a friendship wrought with nice gestures, favors, and sharing of personal information over many months. All along, Gareth and Oscar believed they were communicating with the Secret Tour Pro's cousin, in addition to an actual golf pro who was still running the Twitter account. However, that all took a turn when the identity of the STP became confusing. Just as many others experienced while dealing with the STP, the persona behind the account would change suddenly from one famous golfer's name to the next. Promises were made for new equipment or once-in-a-lifetime golf experiences, only to never come to fruition. Inconsistencies in the story they were being told by the STP kept popping up, further amplifying Gareth and Oscar's confusion and hurting their trust. Gareth and Oscar would eventually grow tired of Michael, or the STP, or whoever it was. They had had enough. I had a similar experience with the STP, who at one point shared with me his real name, or at least what I was told was his name. You see, I also knew him as Michael. But he also told me two different surnames. I won't bother mentioning them here because, frankly, I'm not even sure which to believe. Michael and I continued to correspond via Twitter direct message in the days that followed the backlash from my podcast listeners. For a while, I'll admit, I was cautious about reaching back out to this guy. I began questioning everything I thought I knew about the STP, including the number of people associated with the account. All I could think to do in the short term was close the book, so to speak, with my podcast listeners. So... I fired up my laptop and a very cheap microphone and recorded an update episode to share with my listeners. In it, I basically stated that I had been contacted by a number of people who felt wronged by the STP, and I was done. Hey everybody, it's your friend Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com, back with just a brief update to our most recent podcast episode in which myself and a guest spoke a little bit more about the Secret Tour Pro Twitter account and the user behind that account. The reason that I'm recording this now is quite simple. I want to kind of wrap this up 
from my perspective. It's not my place right now to basically do anything else because I'm not the person that needs to say these things. It's the people that feel that they've been wronged if those people feel that they're victims of something. And quite frankly, if they don't feel that they're victims of something, despite having shared the information that they shared with me, then there's really nothing I can do. So I'm willing to put a bow on all of this. I'm willing to, and owe this to you, my, my loyal listeners, at least some form of closure as I can only offer at this point from my perspective. Following that episode, I received a direct message over Twitter from the STP account. It was odd, to say the least, especially since it was sent at 3.49 in the morning, Chicago time. For reference, that's about 8.49 in the morning in the United Kingdom, where I knew the STP lived. I was sleeping at the time, of course, but the message was simple and straightforward. Huh? What's this all about? Roughly six hours later, at 9.06 a.m. Chicago time, the STP pinged me again with two question marks. I responded, You tell me, referencing his previous message, Seems a lot of people have the same story. What are you all about? The STP responded, You know it all. One has never denied having an assistant. Assistant to who? I asked in return. Have you ever promised people golf products in exchange for website services? The direct message conversation gets a little sloppy here, admittedly, so I'll do my best to keep it in order. The STP responds, Behind the account. A pro is involved and takes a good part. The website was my idea and tried to get stuff for guys, but could never get. They aren't happy about it, I responded. And they outlined a very similar story that involves BlackBerry Messenger telling them you were Jeff Ogilvy, then Thorborn Olison, then Burned Wiesberger. The STP's next response threw me for a loop. And would you give your true identity if you were disclosing info, he said. I sent you stuff that I've been sent from sources. Are any of those golfers directly involved with the account? Have any of them ever tweeted from the account, I asked. The STP deflected this question by asking one of his own. The ones named above? He would never confirm nor deny if any of the pros I named had anything to do with the Twitter account. It was at this point I told the STP that I felt I was taken for a ride, much like the other listeners who reached out to me. This is when I could tell the STP was getting upset. On what, he said. If anything, we've done you many favors, retweeted anything you've needed, wrote for your site, and helped out when needed. He had a point, as he would if he were speaking about any of the other individuals he interacted with. You see, this was the typical behavior pattern for the Secret Tour Pro. Engage in conversation, offer a few minor favors he was able to actually follow through on, then promise more grandiose opportunities that always fell through. And, yes, at one point, he even offered to write an article for my website, Golf Unfiltered. Regardless, I wasn't going to let him off the hook. I asked, You told me that Bern Wiesberger, 
was the creator of the account, and you were his cousin. Is that true? The STP only responded with a thumbs-up emoji. His non-answer frustrated me, so I went in again. The problem, Mike, is that my credibility is on the line. My name is out there. And if your account is saying it's a tour pro, and it isn't true, that's a problem. So the info I get is based on what, the STP asked. How do we receive it? We have sources in high places. Do you think we've got that because we have 50,000 followers? I'm emphasizing the use of we in this exchange, and it confuses me even to today. How many people actually run this account? I didn't know what the STP was trying to say in that exchange, but I doubled down. You see, during the course of my interactions with podcast listeners who contacted me, I had also heard a rumor that the STP may have worked for International Sports Management, a well-known sports marketing agency that represented many pro golfers based in the UK. I don't know any of these answers, I told the STP. I've been told that you work for ISM. Is that true? My guess is you work for an agency, talk to players, get secondhand info, tweet about it, and say you're a tour pro. The STP's response? No, doing work for ISM. I, I still don't know what that means. At this point, the conversation started to degrade into a frustrating back and forth with the STP or Michael. Finally, I asked, You mentioned a pro is directly involved with the account. Who is it? You know who, and a few others have access to, the STP responded. Our conversation continued with the STP mentioning how upset he was that I didn't believe him now, that he had provided, quote-unquote, valuable information to me from, quote-unquote, sources in high places. At one point, he actually asks me what I wanted to achieve by continuing to talk to listeners who contacted me. After about an hour of direct messaging, the STP goes on a multi-message offensive that spanned two days, and it takes a sudden turn I did not expect. The following are those messages, verbatim, from the STP that I still have saved from that conversation. You seem to be taking this personally, when in fact, all we have done is help you. Anyway, your choice. The following day, he says, So, you're going to out my identity then? Much appreciated. There goes my reputation and food on the table for my family. I should mention that shortly thereafter, the STP references something much more serious. He says, oh, and yes, I am ill, have been for some time, daily doses, and then he goes on to list at least five different medications that I'll leave off this podcast here, but understand these are not typical medications that you find over the counter. He ends this message by saying, but sure, out me, wreck my career, congratulations. The STP then sends me a photo of all the medications with his name on them, serving as his proof that he's been straight with me all along. 
We continue our conversation for another hour or so, mainly because I was working that day. But he ends with another plea to not ruin his business or his reputation. I found this last bit interesting, since he had also told me he never made a penny off the Twitter account. Some business model. I end our conversation by encouraging him to reach out to the people who contacted me and who he already knew to try to make things right. Well, as we all learned through this podcast, that obviously never happened. Two questions still remain regarding the Secret Tour Pro Twitter account. Why did he do what he did? And who exactly is this person? Neither question is easy to answer. Turns out there's someone in my family that could try to help answer the first one. My sister-in-law. She also happens to be a clinical psychologist. My name is Dr. Kara Anist. I am a licensed clinical psychologist. We began our conversation by discussing the emotional and psychological impacts these sort of relationships can have on a person and why they can be so dangerous. You know, one of the things that I think is that that other side of it, I think, is the most important. And that is that there's a lot more weight and stake that people put on these connections. And as a result, the the consequences, I think, are more catastrophic and they're more intense. Right. When when you are putting so much weight into these connections and it, it means so much to you. And then to find out that those connections that meant so much to you are fraudulent. That can lead to some some pretty intense emotional consequences. And and to be honest, you know, I, I do definitely see more adolescents, but I don't think age matters here. And there is some statistics out there. There's a lot of which I love. There's a lot of now research coming out that. It's impacting everyone. I mean, young people also, really young kids, because they're on social media all the way through some really elderly individuals, too, because it is available to them. And, you know, there's there's just this booming at all ages. And with that booming can come some pretty catastrophic consequences. To Dr. Anna's point, no one, regardless of age, is immune to the potential of being fooled or being taken advantage of by someone on social media. And, as too many of us have experienced ourselves, or through someone else in our lives, the consequences can be severe. Sometimes it is an increase in mental health disorders, right? You see a lot of people becoming more anxious, because if it, it, think about this, if your entire social community is based online, and now you can't trust that, you're going to increase in anxiety. Right. You're going to also see this increase in depression. Right. I mean, when you lose a relationship, I don't care whether that's an in-person relationship or an online relationship that can cause some some really negative, more sad feelings, which can lead to depression. And then at a at, I would say the most serious of consequences, we do have a huge spike in suicide. Right. You see these these scammers, you see cyberbullying all the time. And for some people, that's their connection to the world. And if you are somebody who thrives on connection and needs that connection, and all of a sudden those connections are now deemed fraudulent in your mind, what else do you have left for some of these people? And it's, it's terrible, but it happens more often than it should. The other question, who is he, isn't as straightforward as you might think. 
If you're looking for a name, I'm a bit hesitant to give it, to be honest. But a quick search on Google will probably give it to you. There's actually a Twitter account, at STBDebunked, that names him. Beyond just the name, however, sometimes it feels there are more questions than answers. We obviously know by now that Mike is not a tour pro. But remember, in the early days of the STP account, he did have some inside information. Equipment deals, appearance fees, that that kind of stuff. And since he won't give us any kind of straightforward answer regarding his sources, we're left with just theories. I think Ryan Ballinger might have the right idea. The, the person who was publicly identified as being behind the Secret Tour Pro account in that person's LinkedIn profile at the time, they had listed that they had done work running social media profiles for several professional golfers. So it it's reasonable to assume if that's true, and that may be dubious, but that if it's true, then they would have access to some level of information that the average golf fan, the average person would not know offhand. That person supplemented that information with information pulled from message boards that are flush with rumors and reporting about particularly the golf of business, equipment contracts, endorsement contracts, appearance fees, the type of specific pieces of information that STP used as bait to get people to believe that they were legitimate and that they were a professional golfer. And so it was probably some mixture of rumors that weren't quite in the grasp of the public discourse and stuff that was readily accessible if you went on any of three or four different prominent golf message boards at the time. The loose connection to an actual tour pro? Well, our friend Gareth from a previous episode gave us this piece of information. Um, said person was apparently related to Wiesberger. Here's the problem with all of this. At this point, after everything I've told you, after everything Gareth, Trent, and Oscar have shared with us, after all of the lies that Mike has told everyone over the course of, what, now seven years... If he announced tomorrow that he was, in fact, related to Bern Wiesberger and he was his source, would you believe him? Unless Wiesberger himself went on camera and posted a video confirming it, there is absolutely no way I would believe him. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Which leads me to my final point of the story. As much as Volume 1 was about the person behind the Secret Tour Pro account and the nefarious ways he lied and manipulated people, both in the virtual and real worlds, it's also about the dangers of social media. Here's Dr. Anist again. You know, social media has really taken off, like you said, in the past, I would say, decade, right? And I think there's a lot of positives and negatives that come with that. I think one of the major positives is that you know, it has broken down these geographical barriers. And, you know, for a long time, that was restricting with our communication. And now people can get such a variety of, of perspectives from people all around the world. And I don't want to take anything away from that because that's amazing. And it has really, I think, done such a wonderful thing for our society in general. With that, however, though, comes 
some really negative things, right? I mean, you have, there's such an anonymity that comes with social media, right? And with that comes the ability to have all sorts of behaviors. You can be whoever you want to be online. And for a lot of people, that's a great thing. It's, it's freeing. You can be yourself. And for other people, it's, you know, it gives them an opportunity to have some harmful and some, some unacceptable behaviors that in some states now are considered to be illegal not nearly enough <laughs> yet, but truly it's, it's, it's come with some really harmful, harmful things, I think. Right. So, so kind of that double-edged sword where there's a lot of positives, but the negatives I think come with some pretty catastrophic consequences. As a society, we now realize that what we read on social media isn't necessarily always true. Terms like misinformation, fake news, or internet watchdog groups have become more mainstream. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other outlets have spent billions of dollars, whether on their own accord or ordered by Supreme Courts, to remove fake accounts from their platforms. Censorship has also become more prevalent across the board, raising questions about our constitutional rights balanced against ethical standards and morals. If social media is a microcosm of society as a whole, then should we ever be comfortable with a mentality that, as long as no one gets hurt, what's the harm in misleading others? What happens when someone eventually does get hurt? Where does the blame fall then? While hearing this story, you've probably drawn many conclusions about the people you've met, and perhaps even about me. You may have thought, why could these people be so gullible? What accountability do they have in all of this, allowing themselves to believe things that are likely too good to be true? You'd be right. We did allow ourselves to go down this path. To an extent. As far as the Secret Tour Pro goes, I've chalked the whole experience up to being an important lesson not only about fandom or social media, but about the desire for attention, connection, and feeling special. You see... The benefit of anonymity is that you can literally be anyone you want to be, and as often as you'd like. Sure, you might get found out at some point, or caught in a lie, or maybe even tiptoe on the edge of legality, much like the STP did. But there's also the other side of that coin. What if some parts of the charade were actually true? What if leaving enough breadcrumbs along the way just to add to the chase was exactly the point all along. Perhaps more importantly, at what point is a line crossed where leading a treasure hunt turns into something more sinister? When does a person realize, maybe I shouldn't be doing this? The Secret Tour Pro, or Michael, declined to tell his side of the story when I made the offer a few weeks ago. However, we did correspond briefly over Twitter direct message, and this is what he said. The problem is, Adam, for me to express things openly and honestly to you would mean I have to divulge who told me things or which individuals had access to the account. Sadly, giving names is not something I am willing to divulge as it would ruin friendships. Signed, Mike. We continued our conversation briefly, including Mike asking me to send him a list of questions I plan to ask. I declined that request, of course, but instead 
sent a general outline of what I'd like to cover, including the promises he made to the people that he met. He asked, why would we need to discuss that? I replied, because it's important to the story. His response? For what reason? To attempt to make me look like a bad person? Thanks to everyone who helped tell the story of The Secret Tour Pro for Golf Stories, Volume 1. A special thanks to Alex Myers, Ryan Ballingy, and all the listeners who agreed to share their story over the years, including Adam, Trent, Gareth, and Oscar. Many thanks to my sister-in-law as well, Dr. Kara Anist, for her insight and expertise. I'd also like to thank everyone who offered advice on how to structure this podcast, including the fair warning you all provided on the amount of work it would take. You know who you are, and it's greatly appreciated. Lastly, if you liked how this podcast sounded and flowed, all credit goes to the incredibly talented Chris McEwen for his production skills. There's absolutely no way I could have done this without his talents. And, oh, of course, thanks to you, listeners, for coming along on this journey. Don't go too far, because there are plenty more stories to tell. Thank you.